0: cool. Tonight on the A Zone, we're going to talk about marksmanship fundamentals and how they relate to recent events, and we're also going to discuss technique experimentation, when and how, and how that relates to different matches that you shoot, if it does at all. So to start us off, uh, Calvin, I think this was your idea to talk about marksmanship fundamentals, so I'm going to pass it to you.
1: Okay, so hear me out, guys. I think the most important aspect of practical shooting is being able to hit the targets. Agree or disagree.
0: Wait, say that one more time? Gun handling.
1: Gun handling is more important than hitting the target.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Looking cool. According to IG, it is. Yeah, it's just fast
2: reloads, man. Yeah, just you need to look cool.
1: Yeah. No, I find that there's like a, I don't know, it's a cultural thing or, or maybe like new people getting into shooting. They don't work on the most important part, which is actually hitting stuff. And maybe it's because it's like the least sexy thing to work on, or it's the most difficult if you have uh, like no coaching or don't know what the fuck you're doing. So I feel like people work things backwards. They do all the easy stuff often and then don't work on hitting targets, both close and far range, like shooting really, really tiny groups of clothes and then like hitting acceptable groups far away.
0: And so you mean doing this at like a, a practical pace, I'm assuming you're talking about you're not talking about like bullseye pace, right?
1: Man, even even at like the, the FUD ranges, the one the one shot per second places, I'm not really seeing a whole lot of people pushing uh, like trying to shoot accurately. What, oh, do you guys
3: really? to be, what do you guys consider to be like a practical range and pace? Is it like forty yards and fifty seconds? Fifteen seconds or something?
1: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think, uh, maybe all C-zone hits at at fifty yards would be a, a pretty good like accuracy standard. Like C-zone hits are better. Is that the next drill?
0: Yeah, I think that that would be relatively <laughs> tough to do at like any sort of practical pace. Like, but that's a that's a good standard. I think that would take And even practice. a slow
1: fire, that's respectable. Yeah. You know, like. You're obviously not going to win any bullseye matches, but like you'll probably be better than any rando at the public range.
0: Yeah. And I guess so, since we're talking about recent events, this has at least some um, relation to, to, practicalness so i i think uh my opinion would be like if you're going to practice this i think it would be almost more relevant not to practice it slow fire and to not necessarily practice it rapid fire but uh like kind of the way you shoot practical accuracy where it's like you press the trigger immediately you're not like standing there holding your breath slowly squeezing the trigger and letting it surprise you
2: well i mean at this point you're pretty much talking about hey what what is your sights telling you? Can you accurately shoot at what the sights are telling you? Yeah. So like, it, like, it, are the sights like in the center of the intended target? Pull the trigger, hit. Sights return, hit. Bang, bang, bang.
0: So if if um, if I were going to go shoot this, and then probably not be in the C zone at fifty yards all the time. What uh, types of mistakes am I probably making? Do you guys think? If someone were going to go try to do this, There's frontside no. focus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: sorry, I went there first. I'm sorry. Fuck. <laughs> <Sorry, sorry. laughs> so I I think that's a good one though. Is
0: maybe focal point, and, and I think I this one could like be function. up for debate. Yeah, it's all over about to where you
1: might actually have to use a frontside focus.
0: Yeah, I think <laughs> you could you could for me personally knowing myself i know i would do better if i were target focused but like i think i think this would probably fall like kind of 50 50 maybe depending on who you ask at that distance for like that difficulty of a shot what are
2: you talking about i have a dot i have no idea what this frontside focus is
0: okay yeah well so if you're shooting irons if you're shooting a dot then yeah you should be target focused but
3: I think legitimately the one of the hardest things might be I'm with Matt on this one. I got like a fifteen yard zero and like my dot's like a million miles above the the barrel. So it's like like generically you'd be like, oh it's a two inch hold. It's like, oh shit, maybe it's like a six or an eight inch hold, because I don't know how fucking high that thing is. (laughs) Yeah, knowing your holdover would definitely help.
2: Well so the
1: calculators you can
2: <laughs> Wait, you mean you can't just use the velocity and drop numbers on the back of the on the back of the box, Calvin?
1: I mean you probably could. Well what what's Koi's box? Yeah,
2: it's good. Yeah. Yeah, good Koi's point. Process. That's nice. Yeah, probably shoot probably shooting nine major out of a Glock forty eight.
0: So uh what comes to mind would be that would be like if I were gonna go shoot this that I would probably screw this up. It would be it would be like a grip thing. Like, I know, uh, I think I would have, like, unwanted tension in my firing hand as I was pressing the trigger, and that would probably throw shots. So, like, if I were going to go practice this, I would be, like, consciously trying not to tense up my right hand. In addition to, like, aiming points.
3: This is probably the, um, for me, personal weakness, personal strength under 50 yards, but personal weakness at 50 yards or further. Um, I'm really good at like that um, fixed pound uh, trigger pull, and like spend almost no time, actually zero time spent on like um, what do you call it kind of like slow fire trigger press that kind of thing. That would be like pretty effective, I think, at 50 yards. Oh, squeezing through. Yeah, yeah. Um, like this, uh, like incredible bullseye. trigger press. Yeah, like bullseye trigger prep stuff. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I, I have no idea because so that's never, where
1: like you. Slowly add more pressure to the
3: trigger pull until it eventually breaks mm-hmm. yeah like 99 what we shoot right like uspsa stuff like maybe out to like 30 40 yards even i think we've seen that like area matches um like you, you're still just gonna roll the trigger right like, <laughs> there no, was really like in like the- all seriousness you do or at least i do
0: what's that, that- i like can all i know you were like laughing but in all seriousness i don't I don't ever find myself, like, prepping or carefully pressing the trigger in a match. Mm -hmm. Me neither. Or in practice. Yeah, it doesn't
1: happen in a match. only...
3: Ooh, Calvin froze. I'm going to take a screenshot. Oh, he's back. (laughs) What? You you froze up, dude. You didn't freeze. Oh,
1: okay. Hold on. (laughs) Yeah, you're in and it bricked itself. And so
0: this is kind of a related question. Um, so the whole like trigger prep and like the slowly increasing pressure to the trigger and letting it surprise you, like that whole um, way of pressing the trigger, I guess. Is there more to that than just kind of kind of uh, trying to trick your hand into not tensing up? Like that's just kind of a technique to make sure that you don't tense up the rest of
2: your firing hand, right? I think primarily it's more of like a mental safety blanket. It's like I feel a little bit unsure. Let me take a little bit extra time, kind of thing. And maybe
0: it gives you a little bit of time to like perfect the sight alignment if needed. Or I'm not sure.
2: It's it's straight up. It's like, hey, do I feel safe about pulling the sugar onto this piece of the target that I want to shoot? That's really all it is.
1: Yeah, you know what? I don't know why it's taught. It was just one of those things that was taught.
2: Because realistically,
0: I mean, it's not like you're actually moving the gun with your trigger finger and, like, you know, oh, if I if I pull the trigger slower, it's going to not move the gun. It's like you're moving the gun with the rest of your hand. So I assume yeah. that's got to be some kind of, like, mental thing to trick your hand into not doing that when you pull the trigger and just isolating the trigger finger.
2: Well, I mean, it's assuming that... The, that the variable of like everything else in
1: your hands or whatever else in your body is not moving
0: yeah so i would think if you have um you know if you are aimed properly and confirming your sights are dot enough and you're gripping correctly then it's just a matter of not um you know pulling the trigger with your whole hand at that distance I say I'm, one not, side picture, right uh, I'm, I'm not good at shooting at that distance, but that's what it seems like to me.
1: Yeah, I think well, a lot of things people kind of will will hang them up is the sight picture itself, the, the wobble zone, like seeing the sights move, whether it's iron sights or a dot, and that's just like a natural movement. And uh, one thing I stole from Larry Vickers that I demonstrate for people at like five yards, I'll literally move my gun. I'll put my gun at you guys like this. And I'm going to fire, and I'll fire, like, you know, five rounds or whatever, moving my gun like this in a circle. And you'd think that you wouldn't be able to hit anything like this, but all it does is just makes, like, a a one-and-a-half, two-inch group at five yards with that much movement. So, there's no way you're moving anywhere near that much when you're shooting normally. So, that kind of tells you, like, (laughs) as long as you have, like, a halfway decent sight picture, a good, really good grip and you can pull and figure it out making the gun move, like it's gonna be within the decent margin of where you're aiming.
0: Yeah, I agree with that. That kind of relates to the, one of the reasons I like shooting, like it's kind of counterintuitive, but I like shooting target focused on harder shooting is because as your your gun kind of naturally wobbles around a little bit, I feel like it, um, if you're focused on a point on the target rather than the sight, you'll wobble around that point on the target and at least for me if i focus on the front sight i just kind of wobble around like the entire target rather than where i'm actually trying to aim like it doesn't kind of get sucked into that one point like it does if i'm target focused in other words i tried
1: target focused that far away
0: you can do it on shorter distance because I might go out of ranges don't have that far, but you could do it on like, shorter distances with like um, you know obviously smaller targets. But uh, it, and I, I don't know, it just helps me because like I, I feel like I drift around on the target a lot if yeah. I'm front sight focused, and it bites I me. In the butt, like I, you can see behind me, it bites me in the butt on uh, tuxedos, because if I'm looking at the sight, just a little bit of wobble on like a 15 yard tux, and you're in the black. So that's that's how I figured out that this was a problem for me was the stupid tux targets.
1: Yeah, something needs to be trained out for sure if you're like me and have been taught front sight focus all your life. And I still fall into that trap when, like, I guess I'm
3: under pressure.
1: Yeah,
0: pressure. I do too. It takes, like, conscious effort to train that. Like, it's not a natural thing if you're, like, a longtime iron sight shooter. <laughs>
1: So one of the other things uh, our our guy did is that he fired a lot of his shots from a barricade first and then moved up closer. Do you guys do we ever shoot off barricades in USPSA? Is that a thing? I don't know if it's ever a thing.
3: Not really. It's such an edge case, right? There's a there's going to be the odd time where some MD like wants to uh wrap wrap a target really far behind some kind of like vision barrier and you're going to like just end up touching the wall all the way through but i don't know that you ever like end up getting uh like gun support as much as just like you're putting the side of your body right up against that wall or something like incidentally touching it rather than resting against it no i mean it's definitely intentional right but it's like not not for like um recoil stability it's more for like so you don't fall down stability i I i got you this, but like, you know, where like you, your, your bottom half of your body is like behind the wall, but like your, every like full shoulders are on the other side of the wall, like yeah. wrap on the wall. Like I, I'm sure you guys can think of like matches you've had to do that before. We had one but stage
0: they, that was kind of like that this past weekend, actually. Oh, was it pretty? Some pretty tough leans. I, I, I wasn't supporting myself on the wall, but you were kind of contorting yourself around the wall like that a little. Yeah, bit. that
1: one was. It was a fun stage, at least.
0: I actually liked it, yeah.
1: Yeah, Yeah, one thing I've noticed uh, in slow fire, never this on a timer, but I've noticed when I try to rest my gun on something, I actually shoot worse groups than when I'm just shooting freestyle. I don't know if you guys have noticed that.
0: I could see that if it's not something you practice all the time. Like I feel like because the gun will behave a little differently if it's like braced up against something. So if you don't practice doing it, it might be weird in the moment.
2: It's probably because of how foreign it feels and then your brain starts panicking a little bit.
1: It does feel really foreign because you have like no control of the gun. But even the slow fire where recoil control doesn't matter. For some reason, I shoot it like way worse on though off of air or off a of rest.
2: You're probably thinking of very black and white then. So like it like shooting supported off of something just feels absolutely wrong. Unsupported offhand feels correct. It's probably this is probably what your brain's doing.
1: I have no idea. But you guys haven't tried it? I, I have I've
3: never done it. Um, I need I with, um Kevin like uh we shot a, uh, what's that rifle match? We always shoot the, clash we shoot bash. yeah, clash bash. Um, they always have some kind of like uh, offhand 150 yard shot. When I say offhand, but it's like, you can like rest on a T post or something. You know what I mean? Like you can, uh, you can butt your gun up against a T post and in every situation and in any, in any world, like you're going to be better off, like bracing against a T post than you are taking the shot freehand. you
1: remember that stuff? Yeah, I remember that.
3: I mean, I assume like scale and like weapon system change or whatever, but it's like 150 yard braced with a rifle versus like 40 yards with a handgun. Like it's it's probably viable, but like we're also 40 yards is probably the range where you're like, yeah, I can still hit it just fine. I mean, I, I wonder not,
1: because like we what have
3: like Matt, we should do like 80 yard target freestyle, So I mean, like six, <laughs> it was about
1: it
2: was somewhere between 50 and 65. Yeah.
1: But I think it's also, like, you know, rifles were designed to be shot from prone,
2: mm-hmm. and
1: resting on the barricade is, like, probably as close as you can get to it while standing. But, like, no one, none of us here shoot our pistols prone.
3: Like, it's not, like, a normal position for us.
1: Well, it's so not here no, at doing. least
3: not here in North Texas. Are you saying that shooting pistols prone isn't practical? Damn, dude. Hot take.
1: <laughs> I didn't say <laughs> that. I just thought we <laughs>
0: There's a lot of things that I don't do. (laughs) Well, so, uh, yeah, it's an interesting topic because I think uh, most of us don't shoot at 40 yards that often. Even in like USPSA, it's pretty, like you only see, like you said, you only really see that at bigger matches sometimes.
1: Yeah. So uh, basically, go practice one reload once and you'll be really good at shooting. 40 yards
2: and over. I have that are do live in area too.
1: All right. To. Yeah, I don't either. Well, I do know what's in area two. Don't, know don't, don't a tell popular it. do Right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God.
2: They <laughs> do have some stages of long distance out there, so
1: I don't want to get banned right now why not it was well, spice of the podcast are <laughs> going to talk about that <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you
3: guys can I
1: don't know enough about it
3: but you were just talking about how you hated the air directors
0: <laughs> <laughs> I said no such thing <laughs> <laughs> if anyone watched this, you would be in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, it's a, our it's a good five thing we viewers. have zero viewers. Five, we have five. <laughs> that's true. Well, so uh assuming we don't want to go down that rabbit hole, I think our next topic is uh technique experimentation. <laughs> And so this one uh, I think was a listener question, and it was along the lines of, um, "Is technique experimentation beneficial? Uh, when should you do it? How should you do it? And um, you know all the topics related to experimenting with different techniques." So I think um, I think we can all agree that our experimentation expert is probably Matt. So I'm going to kick this to
2: you first. What do you think about that? Um. It's a good thing I just had an ounce of whiskey, didn't it? So, um, tending experimentation, I think the prime times to do it is if you have the ammo, uh, during your off season and then towards the start of your shooting season, where or actually, no, more like midway through your shooting season, where you're really experimenting, you're trying to up your speed, and then also get the accuracy gain that follows up behind it. Um, it's pretty much any. Anytime you are trying to pick up speed and then all, and also accuracy. Because more towards the start of your shooting season, you're trying to establish that baseline. So not exactly the best time. And then as it gets closer, close to the end of your shooting season, let's just say that happens to be the Nationals you care about. So for me, in my case, carry optics Nats, which is uh, September. Right now it's mid-July. Uh, probably should slow down on the experiment train for a little while. So raw time champ isn't necessarily the thing that I'm going for. It's more, how am I looking at uh, consistency of my current results? Um, So let's just say grip, right? Uh, You're not feeling something is right or if you have really long digits like me, uh, maybe sometimes you accidentally end up pressing against your knuckles where along this, uh, your fingers would it be better to go ahead and place uh, your support hand grip, that kind of thing. Um, how you move around a stage, maybe you want to mess around with step size as you're shooting uh, as you're shooting on the move or as you're entering position, exiting position, that kind of thing. Um, it's really just during your off season and then any and then after you've established your baseline.
0: Cool. yeah, that makes sense that you wouldn't want to um, be doing anything too crazy before nationals or anything like that. Yeah. well koi it looks like you have something to say so uh what are your thoughts on this topic
3: i was gonna say if nobody makes like an animated thing out of like matt's little hand movements right there we'll have missed like one of the best <laughs> one of the best possible things about this podcast um nah, same thing as Matt right so i don't want to be a dead dead horse um i think something that uh all of us can relate to is uh we've spent all, enough time like we spend enough time, <clears throat> like not getting as much change as we want before, and it has a lot to do with like the. There's like a balance of like experimentation versus the amount of rage you can handle, um, and then um, there's uh, uh to say it as simply as possible. Like, um, I think I think you have to find what your personal limits are. And I, uh, what's Tony's uh, username again on whatever? Lufthans. Lufthans, yeah. So the, the go if you go on YouTube. Uh, there's a there's a video, and I think it's like how how to make GM and like oh that one's just pick already yeah just pick already yeah exactly and uh, he touches on the exact, exact subject um, which uh, I found the mentality to be like super easy to understand even though he's kind of like I don't know listening to him talk is like listening to uh, what he called a an oracle muse about <laughs> uh, about feature or something but um, it's uh, you have to like find like ways to measure like uh, what you're trying to improve and then just like fix that thing and then you have to do as much of it as you can tolerate because um i think you guys would agree if you did max experimentation like your scores always look like dog but if you did zero experimentation like your scores really never reach like um you know uh super high levels to uh to uh to be ultra competitive um so it's like a balancing act um but I think all of us have gotten to the point also where it's like, you know what, this, this one can be a dumpster. As long as I make like a, you know, a 10 10 second cut on about this shape of a match, you know what I mean? Like, or if I can make this much gains, like um, on, on this point distribution, given like some arrangement, some similar arrangement of of targets over time, right? Like it's kind of tough because I think there's a, there's a nuance to shooting use PSA that no two matches are the same and nobody ever just shoots class firearms. Um but it um uh, it's like objectively a little tough to to say every like I improved X on this skill because it was presented the same way every single time. Like but being able to like um extrapolate um the little experimentations, little tests thing that's like the that's the huge, that's like one of the hugest things. And um I like Matt's like super, super simplest way of saying this, which is uh, for most people, it's like they can't even make the time. So like they, people should be running around like their hair fucking on fire most of the time and, and shooting like their hairs on fire um, and getting safely. Yeah. Safe. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that, that, that's, that's where my head's on it. What
0: about you, Calvin?
1: I think if you're like a dum dum like me, and like you don't really know how to quantify like this experimentation and how it like uh, you know improves your score or makes it worse, um, doing like side by side video of you versus someone who is like amazing. So you know, some of us who went to Dragon's Cup had the uh, luxury of seeing JJ Rakaza shoot the same stages that we did and I noticed that every literally everything he did was just faster than me like every single fucking thing the only thing he didn't do faster was split and you realize like splits don't do anything for you but uh one thing that really stood out though was the way I reload and uh, I thought well you know let's let's fix that because that's a fairly easy thing to fix compared to everything else because uh, oftentimes I would go into position still with my gun down while reloading because I take longer to do it than a super squad GN guy. So what I essentially did was just find a, a better angle to reload my gun rather than bring it down how I used to. Because I used to bring my gun down low to make the mag insertion easier, but it added a lot of time to bring the gun back up and ready to fire. So by having the gun closer to my chest, uh, you don't really lose a whole lot of time from the mag pouch to the magwell that way. Cause it's still a really short travel distance, and, but you it's way faster to get the gun back up and aimed. You do it that way. Uh, the negative is with the like a tanfo. It's a little bit harder to be more precise with the magazine insert, but you train that out, and the, the result is you know, more favorable. <coughs> Reload. So that's kind of what I did. Experimented with just different angles of where I'm putting the gun and make it consistent.
2: Cool. Yeah.
1: Can I, so, can I
3: say
2: something real quick? Please. I think instead of saying like quantifying when, like how much percentage, uh, like you were saying at the start, like you, uh, I don't like not knowing how to quantify uh, when and when not to experiment. I think just by setting a date. Or, like by like X month, I'm gonna stop experimenting and just simply shoot consistently. So, let's just say your nationals let's just okay, let's just use production nationals as an example. But uh, by the middle of September, I am going to stop uh, experimenting and just simply shoot a match as mindless as possible. I think I think by setting a specific day, that would make that would simplify it a little bit better.
0: Yeah, I like the idea of simplifying it. So like y'all know this. I'm retarded. So I need things to be like as straightforward and um concrete as possible. So for me I need to like if I'm gonna play around with something or experiment it, I need to know exactly what I'm experimenting and kind of isolate that thing. Um and that's gonna kind of dictate when I do it. So I'm going to give some examples because that probably doesn't make much sense yet. So for uh, as an example, similar to Calvin, I played around my reloads a bunch throughout my time in USPSA and so that's something that uh, I've kind of ended up doing something similar to Calvin. Also, I think where it's kind of like a high and close to the chest reload because I found that that gives me the most consistency. So I did all of that experimentation on on gun placement and reloading i did all of that in dry fire and then i try to just make it automatic so it happens in live fire and it matches so you're not going to find me experimenting with reload technique at a match um on the other side when uh this goes back to when i was monkeying around in carry optics during the off season um, and I found out that, like, wow, I'm not even competitive on time or even close compared to the, you know, the mats and the other local carry optics hot shots. so. Um, That's going to be something where obviously I I tried to push speed a lot in practice then, but I also did some experimentation on trying to go faster in matches too, just because I had the immediate data of like, okay, what was their time and what was my time? Like, am I even in the ballpark? So um, that's something where I thought there was value in doing experimentation in an actual match. Um, And so to give a little more detail, I think, like like I said, I need things um, very concrete, not abstract ideas. So it's easy to just say, go faster, or just make the time happen. But if you're an idiot like I am, I need that spelled out. So for me, what I found out was a lot of the time that I was losing was confirmation. Um, and I don't think at my skill level, I mean by confirmation, I mean like sight confirmation on the target. I don't think, for Mike's skill level, I would have called it over confirming because I was shooting relatively good points, and then when I started experimenting with confirming less, the points fell off fast. So, but I do think it helped me get to the next level of being able to shoot. Um, you know, all things being equal, being able to shoot with lower level of confirmation and still get the like, you know, ballpark ninety percent of points for the match. So, um, my point being. I didn't just go into the match and say, like, oh, I'm going to run around like crazy and go really fast and just make the time happen. For me personally, that's effectively what I was trying to do, but I had to tell myself, be extremely aggressive on the aiming, so confirm substantially less than you feel comfortable and kind of experiment and see what happens. And uh, the reason, and you can do that in practice, and you should do that in practice too, but the reason I was Found value in doing that at a match was because again you have the data of just like okay, how did that compare to the um, carry optic Ms and GMs that are at the
1: match? No, I'm with you there. Um, would you, I? I think it's a good idea to have a solid baseline before you start experimenting, because if you're at if you're level one at everything, like RPG game level one, like you just started, yeah, like you know no stats. Like, it doesn't make sense to just try a bunch of wild shit because, like, nothing's going to work. So, like, um, you know, I I wouldn't try shooting confirmation two targets with confirmation one if you can't hold a gun and make those shots standing still, you know, uh, without a timer. Um, And then, like, with the whole, like, movement thing, I'm not going to try to move on a tight partial if I can't even hit it standing still. But there, you know, after taking the JJ class, I definitely, you know, took more risk than I normally would have just to see what would happen. But, you know, I made sure that my my grip and my body structure could support shooting.
0: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I want to say kind of in more of um, like USPSA terms, if you're not like a ballpark A class or better, then you probably are better off just kind of trusting the process and following you know the standard shooting advice and and just continuing to improve and then maybe once you get a class or better you'll find some value in um kind of starting to play around with things and see what works specifically for you and even just seeing where stuff breaks so that you can try to get to the next level because sometimes you're not actually changing your tech, like with site confirmation. I wouldn't say that I was changing my technique. I was just trying to, like, okay, when does when do the wheels fall off, and how do I like go that fast without having them fall off?
2: Coy, cool, you looked like you had something that you were giggling about.
1: No,
3: it was just you know. So I know Calvin doesn't play any fucking video games. So like, I'm <laughs> making the video game example is kind of fucking funny. It was the first that came to mind.
2: Yeah, you like that Final Fantasy, don't you?
1: I didn't play Final Fantasy back in the day. FF6 is the best. I think he plays like hentai games or something, right? Yeah. How does that even work?
0: <laughs> oh god. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, there's a the will, there's a the work. cal. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just want we you guys to know. You know, um, so if you do play video games or not, so you go on Steam, right? Everyone's buying their video games on Steam. Turn off that adult filter. See what kind of shit you see on Steam. <laughs> I'm, I'm scared. Thank I don't God. have a PC anymore. We'd like
2: to start a GoFundMe for Calvin's uh, hentai PC. Yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's very generous. I'm scared to I'm, I'm Google search this, but it is, it seems different.
0: Just share your screen on the podcast
2: while you Google search
0: <laughs> yeah, <all right. laughs> Is gonna have a really buff
1: arm like, after three months? Is it like an RPG? Are 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 they like, like FPS games? But you're not shooting. Well, I guess you could be shooting. Um. <laughs>
2: You'll find out.
1: <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how this thing works.
2: <laughs> Should
0: we move it off? Yeah, I uh, I don't think uh, we had anything oh you know what we did it. so here's a follow-up question to this that's actually on topic so um kind of goes along the same lines but do you have a different approach to level one level two or level three matches um as it relates to experimenting or otherwise so let's go around the circle in the same order so matt
2: um level level ones absolutely ha- feel free to experiment if you're but if it looks like you're but uh your buddies know that you're experimenting around then like don't don't worry about their reactions unless they're like hey this is this is what i noticed when you were going balls out that kind of thing uh level twos you might want to start being concerned especially if it's a prize match right because who doesn't want to walk away with a three thousand dollar gun
1: apparently you don't. Know.
2: yeah apparently yeah. and i didn't i didn't freaking know so uh I, like i didn't know i had to be present um so you have leave then... it early yeah right that's what I get for missing out on $3,000 free. Um, and then level three is you're probably going to, you're probably need to look at, hey, full full consistency of results unless, unless you understand how to read scores. Um, if you understand how to read scores, then you know how you can push on stages that you have strengths in. Otherwise, full consistency results.
0: Math is way too hard to be doing that on the fly.
2: Well, maybe for you, maybe not for the other three
3: of us. <laughs> it definitely is for yeah.
0: me <laughs> alright Koi what about you level 1 versus 2 versus 3 what do you think
3: Um, <clears throat> generically like there's not really like a sliding scale for me if I like mentally treat a match really more seriously then I, I do what Matt was saying and try to shore up like if if you start to get experiment and you have like kind of a range of results that you can get, right? So if I shot the same match ten times in a row, I'm experimenting really good. If I if the range for my results is getting pretty wide, um, and I'm experimenting none if like the range of my results is really closed in. So if I could if I shot a, you know the same six stages a um, hundred times in a row, then I would get the same result like within a pretty narrow margin. Um, I just try to close in the margin for matches I consider to be really important, whether they're twos or threes or whatever, or even ones, right? Um, uh, <clears throat> and I think uh, I think that's probably the way most people do it. Um, I think uh, I'm saying it this way too, because uh, it's going to seem a little weird, but uh, I feel like the thing for me recently has been like letting myself just like um, open up the range on, uh, on like twos and threes. Um, just because the the kind of stuff you see at levels and twos and threes, depending on your like local area, can be wildly
1: different. Yeah, that makes sense. What about you, Calvin? Yeah, kind of along the same lines, but uh, you know, it, it also depends on on whether you're trying to win or or whether you're trying to learn. Because like what Koi said, level twos and threes have can have vastly different challenges than your level one matches they're usually more difficult and if you go in with a mindset knowing that you're not going to win anyway and you're willing to try to experiment i don't see a problem
3: with experimenting at level two or three either so it.
2: i think if you know that you're out of the running then experimenting at level twos and threes is what is pretty much
3: whatever Just like some uh, leading indicators right so if you're like already uh if you're already uh MGM and you're like winning your section matches and stuff like that it's like you should probably be dialed in going into it but for everybody else it's like it's probably okay to have the range a little loose yeah
0: I agree with that the only exception I can think of is um you know, even if if you're not in the running to actually win, I think a lot of guys do care about like their placement. So if you're, uh, you know, let's say you're you're uh, at the top level of B class or something, you don't want to lose to a bunch of C class dudes and stuff like that. So I think, I, I well, yeah, I wouldn't. I would say it's up to you. I don't think just because you're in the running to win, you should just go hair on fire. Um, or just because you're and not the- in the running to win. I think it just depends yeah, yeah. on what you want for that match.
1: Yeah, because you could be, like, the top B guy, but, you want to, but like, you're in that space where you want to, like, beat all the A's and you just want to, like, do some crazy shit. Hey,
2: man, first place B class is first place B class.
1: I've never made first place B class.
2: <laughs> Mother of a well, Yeah, and even if you don't care,
0: like, the stupid, um, I hope, well, I probably will piss people off, but the stupid, like, class placement, things are are retarded but so let's just assume you don't care about winning b class or something you might care about like oh that guy normally beats me i want to get as close to him as i can or i want to try to beat him or something so i think even if you're not gonna win um, it's still okay to care about where you end up and not experiment but you should also give yourself permission to experiment if that's what you want to do yeah
1: it just depends on what you want i don't think there's a hard and fast rule
0: yeah so for me, um, with some exceptions, generally I approach all matches, regardless of level, the same. Um, and I, I think part of that is because I kind of consider um, consistent, like reliable match performance, is a skill in and of itself. So if you think of like, um, if you're constantly just hair on fire experimenting um, or just not caring whatever you want to call it or whatever it is in that your case if you're always doing that type of thing at level one matches and then the level two match that you care about for the year rolls around and you're like okay now is the time to take this seriously i think you're gonna have a bad time because then pressure's on and you don't have a bunch of practice dealing with it um, on the flip side of that, though, is if you treat every level one match like it's nationals, then um, I don't think you get the benefit of uh, experimenting like we've talked about. So I think there's some wiggle room there, especially for level one matches. Um, like I said, I've done some some uh, crazy stuff at level ones before. But I also think don't discount the practice that you get having that match pressure on. But the match pressure is only going to be there if you put it on yourself. So if you go into every level one and even level two not caring about where you end up, then you're not getting that practice of pressure. You're just giving yourself the out of like, oh, I was experimenting or whatever. So not that you should always do this, but I do think there's some value in practicing where it's like, okay, I really care about this match for whatever reason. Put the pressure on yourself and make sure that the results happen. And if they don't, it's not the end of the world. It just gives you a learning experience like, okay, what can I do better next time? but you're not going to have that learning experience if you don't put the pressure on
2: sometimes. But you also have to know when to give your mind a break.
0: Yep. I think uh, there's value in in doing both, depending on you know what match it is, what part of your season it is, blah, blah, blah.
2: Well, I mean, I wasn't necessarily meaning that. Like Going back to what you said about like, hey, what have you treated every single level one like nationals, right? Sometimes there are just matches where like, hey, you know what? Poison Town Okay, I mean, we came up from Houston. I just want to shoot, have fun with the guy, right? So just give it, like, even shooting like that to give your mind a break uh, is something that's a little bit important. If yes. if your brain works that way.
3: I agree. Can you imagine, like, just being a lame-ass and, like, mailing it in and, like, 70% every match? It'd be horrible. Yeah.
0: Well, even if you're not mailing it in, like, you might be going 100%, but you're... 100% practicing crazy sight pictures that you wouldn't normally let yourself get away with or something. It's like, and I think there's value in doing that because you basically, when you do that, you pretty much give yourself permission to have dumpster fires because you're kind of seeing what happens. But if you're always giving yourself permission to have dumpster fires, then when the one match rolls around where you don't want to have any dumpster fires, it's like crushing pressure on top of you. So, you know, I think you need to practice managing that pressure as well as practicing
1: experimenting. It's true. Well, so
0: that's all I had to say on these, these couple topics. Do you guys have anything else?
3: No. I like Forrest Gump from you when you said that, Snow. And that's okay. all I have to say about that.
0: <laughs> I don't think that's a compliment, but. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you talking about Forrest Gump is a national treasure. Oh. Well, <laughs> well I you, mean, man. we are going back to
2: Alabama <laughs> for nationals, so yeah. Yeah, good
0: luck. That's uh, a very fun place to go. They have <laughs> Make over sure to stop
1: by Little two, Yeah, they have over <laughs> two
3: fast food restaurants that stay open. I don't know about you guys. I went to sushi while I was there, so. That's very brave of you.
1: Very brave of you.
3: Also one <laughs> I also went to Cracker, Cracker Barrel like five times, kind of, so <laughs> even
0: out. <laughs> we went to Popeyes and got laughed out of the drive-through, so that was cool.
2: Why? Because you were in Talladega and there were ethnic's in the car.
0: No, because we had the audacity to go through the drive-through within an hour of them closing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Did we also try to go to McDonald's and they weren't serving?
2: kind of mcdonald's doesn't serve all the time
1: that was our, our question too
0: <laughs> oh well yeah. well so i don't have anything else boys but y'all y'all got any other topics that you want to throw out there any 40 yard shooting good. tips are we all good for tonight
2: i don't know at this point i think calvin just needs to start clapping i'm holding on yeah the
1: there we go <laughs>